0: Well, hello, RYBC family. Uh, welcome to uh, Reflections in Jeremiah. I believe this is our our fifth reflection. Um, I hope you've been encouraged and blessed by it, as I've been able to just go through Jeremiah, and it's been really encouraging to my own soul. So I hope it would be encouraging to your soul as well. Um, last week we we looked at Jeremiah chapter 3:15, where God promises that that as he seeks to restore Israel, he's going to raise up shepherds after his own heart who, who will feed uh, his people with knowledge and understanding. This is uh, part of God's kindness towards his people, despite the fact that they have forsaken him and have rebelled against him. But he's, he's promising that he's going to do this. He's going to raise up these, these worthy shepherds to care for his people. Well, this week, we're going to look at um, one line in chapter 4, but it's also, uh, this one line is repeated also twice in chapter 5. So if you look at chapter 4, so as we saw, um, chapter 3, basically God's calling Israel, faithless Israel, uh, to repentance And then you come to chapter four, and there's this warning from God that disaster is coming from the north. Judgment is coming. God is going to raise up a nation against his people for their wickedness. Um, And so... For example, in verse 18 of chapter four, he says, your ways and your deeds have brought this upon you. This is your doom and it is bitter. It has reached your very heart. In other words, God's telling his people that, that this nation that's coming from the north, this is a result of your own sin. It is a result of your treachery, your forsaking of me. And so in verses 19 through to 21, Jeremiah begins to lament he he is full of anguish over the fact that he knows that that Judah the people of God are going to experience desolation because of their sin and so so he cries out in anguish in verses 19 to 21 and then, In verse 22, God speaks, and we read this, For my people are foolish, they know me not. They are stupid children, they have no understanding. They are wise in doing evil, but how to do good they know not. And then it comes back to Jeremiah in verse 23, and this is what we read. I looked on the earth, and behold, it was without form and void, into the heavens, and they had no light. I looked on the mountains, and behold, they were quaking, and all the hills moved to and fro. I looked, and behold, there was no man, and all the birds of the air had fled. I looked, and behold, the fruitful land was a desert, and all its cities were laid in ruins before the Lord, before his fierce anger. So Jeremiah sees this, this fierce anger of God on full display against his own people. And then we read this in verse 27, and there's, here's the phrase that I want us to focus on. For thus says the Lord, The whole land shall be a desolation. That's judgment. The whole land will experience desolation. And then this statement. Yet I will not make a full end. Yet I will not make a full end. The whole land will experience desolation. Yet I will not make a full end. I will show mercy. In other words... In the midst of God's judgment against his people, he has promised that his judgment will not be full. It will not be complete. He will relent to a certain degree. He will show mercy. So that's what you see in chapter 4. But then you go further into chapter 5, which is a further unpacking of God's judgment. In chapter 5, we we see that in light of this warning, Jerusalem refuses to repent. And so in chapter 5, verse 3, you you read this at the end of verse 3. He's speaking about Jerusalem. He says, they have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to repent. Their faces are harder than rock. They are so hard in their sin That it's comparable to their faces being harder than rock. They have refused to repent. And so going down to verse 6 of chapter 5, God then says this is what he's going to do. And He he uses uh, imagery of um, terrifying beasts to capture his judgment against his people. And this is what we read in verse 6. Therefore, a lion from the forest shall strike them down. A wolf from the desert shall devastate them. A leopard is watching their cities. Everyone who goes out of them shall be torn in pieces because their transgressions are many. Their apostasies are great. And then verse seven, how can I pardon you? This is God. How can I pardon you? Your children have forsaken me and have sworn by those who are no gods. When I fed them to the full, they committed adultery and trooped to the houses of whores. They were well-fed, lusty stallions, each named for his neighbor's wife. Shall I not punish them for these things, declares the Lord? And shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? And then God gives the summons. And I think the summons here in verse 10 is referring to these three metaphors, the, the lion, the wolf, and the leopard. He says, go up through her vine rows and destroy And then here's this phrase again, but make not a full end, but make not a full end, go and destroy, but make not a full end. In other words, God, again, is speaking to his people. He's saying, I will still show mercy in the midst of judgment. And then you go further down into chapter five and in basically verses, uh, 14 through 16 or 14 through 17 we see god speak again to his people and he's saying he's going to raise up a nation and of course this is the nation of babylon this is what we this is what we read therefore thus says the lord the god of hosts because you have spoken this word behold i am making my words in your mouth of fire and this people would and the fire shall consume them behold i am bringing against you a nation from afar o house of israel declares the lord it is an enduring nation, it is an ancient nation, and nations whose language you do not know, nor can you understand what they say. Their quiver is like an open tomb. They are almighty warriors. They shall eat up your harvest and your food. They shall eat up your sons and your daughters. They shall eat up your flocks and your herds. They shall eat up your vines and your fig trees, your fortified cities in which you trust. They shall beat down with the sword. Fierce, horrifying judgment that is coming To God's people through this nation. Then verse 18 says this, but even in those days, declares the Lord, I will not make a full end of you. So intense judgment, righteous indignation against God's people for their sin. And yet, in the midst of that, God says, but even in those days, I will not make a full end of you. So, in the midst of judgment, you see this hint, so to speak, of of mercy. Judgment and mercy go hand in hand. Judgment is coming, but God also shows mercy to His people. Now, it's interesting if you read all of Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you actually find this theme everywhere. Judgment and mercy going hand in hand. God will judge, but he will also show mercy. And it's and it's so connected, they're so intertwined. You know, there's this false idea that is in many uh, circles today that the Old Testament is um, a portrayal of the God of judgment and the New Testament is a a portrayal of the God of love and mercy but that's just not accurate at all when you read the Bible it is very clear that the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament and the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament is a God who judges and is a God who shows mercy both the Old Testament and the New Testament portray God as one who judges against sin and one who shows mercy simultaneously, um, so you know, just take for example. If uh, let's just look at the very beginning of the Bible, you think of Genesis, and there's three stories at the very beginning where you see God's judgment and God's mercy. So, for example, in Genesis 3:15, where where Adam and Eve sin, or Genesis 3, sorry, where Adam and Eve sin against God. They're, they're tempted by the serpent, and they rebel against God. And God makes these judgments against the serpent, against the woman, and against Adam. But in the midst of the judgment, in the midst of his curses upon them, he also shows mercy. We have Genesis chapter 3, 15, where where God says to the serpent specifically, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So despite the fact that Eve, this woman, sinned against God, God has made a declaration that despite she has re- despite the fact that she's rebelled, There is a seed that will come from this woman who will crush the head of the serpent. That's God's mercy. He he hasn't fully given up on humanity. He has promised that through this woman, this woman who has sinned, that salvation will come. That's mercy. Not only that, you you jump down to Genesis 3.21, after God has laid out his curses against Eve and also against Adam were told in verse 21 of chapter 3 and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them so so God judges them for their rebellion they did not listen to God's voice they listened to the voice of the serpent they sinned against God they were worthy of death deserving of death and in the midst of that God still shows mercy by one giving a promise, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, and not only that, he in his kindness and his mercy clothes them. Clothes them. Then you go to Genesis chapter 4, and you have, of course, the first murder in the Bible, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. And, and as you know, Cain is jealous of his brother, and he ends up murdering Abel. And God makes a declaration of judgment against Cain, but he also in that declaration shows mercy. This is what we read. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He, that is Cain, said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out, crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And then verse 15, we hear God's mercy. God has judged Cain, but he also shows mercy. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So in the midst of judgment, Cain has murdered his brother. God has brought judgment on Cain because of this. And in the midst of that, God still shows mercy to Cain. And in the next verse, we find that Cain now has, has uh, offspring. And so you see God's kindness to Cain despite his rebellion and sin. And then, of course, you come to Noah's flood, which is one of the most horrifying stories of judgment in the Bible. The, the, the people have become so corrupt. The, 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 the earth has become so defiled by sin That God promises he's going to wipe, basically, the earth clean. He's going to cleanse the earth from its pollution, from its corruption of sin due to humanity. But in the midst of that judgment, we read this verse in Genesis 6-8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So despite the fact that humanity was so corrupt. And the creation had become so corrupt that God basically says it has become so polluted that I'm going to wash it clean. There's a man and his family who finds favor in God's eyes. And not only that, God doesn't destroy all the animals, but he takes two of each kind and he puts it on the ark and he protects those animals and Noah's family. Horrific judgment but yet also mercy and kindness. And of course, God makes a covenant with Noah that he will never flood the earth again. Judgment, mercy. So that's just a few examples in in the very beginning of the Bible, but, but that theme is carried out throughout the whole Old Testament and into the New Testament. Now, when you come to the New Testament, you could say that there are two days of judgment. Two days of judgment. The, the, the one that most people are familiar with is, of course, the great day of judgment where Christ returns. But, but I would argue that, that there's another day of judgment that happened before that day or before that day is coming. And, and the day of judgment that I'm speaking of is specifically the death of Christ. The, the day that Jesus Christ died when he was crucified on that cross, that was God's global judgment against sin. Christ went to that cross. He bore our sin in his body. He became a curse on our behalf. He bore the curse, the, the curse that was um, in, in line with the old covenant. The cursings of God, which were to be given to those who became covenant breakers, was placed upon Christ. Christ bore the curse on our behalf. He bore the judgment of God on our behalf. So that was a day of judgment. But that day was also a day of mercy. It was a day of mercy because Christ bore it, bore the curse on our behalf. In other words, on that day when Christ bore the judgment of God, we were seeing also the mercy of God on full display because what was deserving what was what was what we what we deserved was poured on Christ. We deserved the curse of God. We deserved the judgment of God, but Christ bore the curse and the judgment of God on our behalf. A day of judgment, but also a day of mercy. And then of course you come to the final day of judgment where the scripture tells us that Christ is going to return and he's going to judge the nations. The reality is, that day is also a day of mercy. See, it's it's judgment for unrepentant sinners who, who have refused to bow the knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, but it's also a day of mercy for those who have bowed the knee to Jesus Christ and have declared him Lord and have repented of their sins. It's a day of judgment, but it's also the the day of vindication for God's people. And so so from the very beginning of Genesis to the very end, you see judgment and mercy. Judgment and mercy. Now here's what I want us to think about. In order to value the treasure, adore the mercy of God, you must come to grips with with the judgment of God, you see, there's this temptation to eradicate the judgment of God. There's this temptation for for many professing Christians today to to say that the judgment of God is was made by uh, humans. God is just purely love; He never judges. But 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 if you eradicate the judgment of God, you ultimately will eradicate the mercy of God. You see, you eradicate judgment. You will empty God's mercy of all of its meaning. If you don't, if you don't have a concept for God's judgment, then, then mercy is meaningless. Mercy is the idea that, that you're not getting what you deserve. We deserve judgment. We deserve to be punished for our sins. But God says, I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to relent. If you don't have judgment, you, there's no category for the idea of mercy. And so in 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 eradicating the judgment of God you ultimately weaken the, the incredible doctrine of the mercy of God towards sinners. See, all I want to do from this reflection is to exhort you that is to exhort you to, to ponder God's judgment towards you as a sinner and ponder God's mercy towards you because of Christ and allow that to so stir your soul that you might marvel at God's mercy, that you might worship God for his mercy towards you. For this is who God is. He's a merciful God. Remember what what God declared to Moses in Exodus Exodus 34, verse 6. He he says, I'm going to declare to you my name. And this is what he says his name is. The, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is who the God of the scriptures is. He is a God who is full of mercy, faithfulness, steadfast love, and he abounds in forgiveness. But hear this. He will not let the guilty go unpunished. He will still judge sin. And Christ was the one who bore the judgment of God so that we might be recipients of God's mercy. I pray that that would cause you to marvel and worship the God saved you let's pray father we thank you for your scriptures and lord we thank you that you are a god who is righteous and that you will not let the right be you will not let the wicked go unpunished that you will uphold justice because you are a righteous god yet at the same time god we praise you because because you are god full of mercy And Lord, each one of us have tasted of your mercy because of Christ who died in our place. And Lord, I pray that your mercy would would stir in us a delight in you, a marvel towards you, um, an awe of you that would then fuel us to live a life worthy of the mercy you have shown us. We pray this, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Church, thanks for following along. Um, I pray that this would uh, bless you and encourage you, and I pray that you would continue to walk in the mercy of the Lord. God bless. Bye.